Hey, welcome back, everybody. Time once again for another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. So grab your board. We're going to go out and swim into the sea, the turbulent sea of ideas with the one man, the master sailor, the man who makes the seas calm, Matt Hines. Oh, my gosh. These introductions get more and more <laughs> oh, outrageous. Just, Paul, how you doing? I'm doing good today here. You're always calm, and we're always just panicky out there more than ever. We got elections. We got pandemics. We got all sorts of problems, and Matt Hines, calm, always calm. Yeah, it's one of those years, right? I mean, it's interesting. <laughs> we're not even in November. We're kind of in, you know, middle late Q, you know, October here, and Right before we came on, you know, you had the news break there, and I'm yeah. listening to all these different headlines, and it's just like body blow after body blow after yeah. body blow. And then, well, the market's up, Nasdaq's up by 100 points. Like, well, <laughs> yeah. at least like, there's that. Yeah. And I don't even know. I mean, like, you, you, you look at how many people are still struggling to find jobs and struggling as COVID numbers go up. Seriously. Even yeah. the silver linings, you're like, boy, this is uh, this has been a year. So, are there any silver linings? Give me some hope. Give me some uh, positive. Give me some upbeat news here. All I seem to get pestered with is pounded down. Well, I, you know, it's interesting. I hate to use the term silver lining because I don't mean to downplay the seriousness of what people have been sure, impacted yeah. by. But any bright spots in an otherwise dark horizon? Listen, I mean, like a lot of people have died, a lot of people have lost their job. There's people who are still hurting pretty significantly. Yeah. But I think it's also important to just, you know, exercise our resilience as human beings to say, okay, what has been part of this year? And part of what I wanted to talk today about, I think, to talk a little bit about silver linings, to not only talk a little bit about the things that I think that I could personally share some of my experience, but also we've talked to dozens of CMOs over the course of the last couple of months and definitely identified some themes that have been helpful for them as well. So I think it's useful for us to think about what has been good from this? Well, let's, let's been... back up for a second, because you guys are, by nature, a positive group of people. You're always trying to look on the, the bright side here. It's not a problem. It's just a challenge to be overcome. It's not an insurmountable obstacle, any of these things. It's all about the pivot. It's all about adapting and all that stuff. But they've got to really be scratching their heads at this one because and i'll give you an example we had an economist on one of our other shows a big bank northern trust or something like that and he said normally we just go back in time we look at what happened before and then we extrapolate we we look forward well we've seen this before and this is probably how it'll play out he said we've never seen anything like this before we don't know if these job losses are temporary or permanent we don't know if there's a second wave coming or not we don't know if the political turmoil is going to have any impact. He said, our crystal ball is rather cloudy. What, what's it look like in the CMO side? Is their crystal ball cloudy? Oh, of course. I mean, like, you know, you've got a lot of companies that are on calendar fiscal years that are trying to plan for 2021 right now. And I can't, I can't remember a more difficult time to, to plan for, to right. not really know what's the economic condition going to look like, what's the medical condition going to look like. Even if you're in a less affected industry, if we really have to go back to hunker down mode for a while, what does that mean in terms of people's ability to buy? What does that happen to sales cycle lengths? Do we go back to cash conservation mode for companies that have a need but simply aren't giving up their hoard of cash during a very uncertain time? The uncertainty is there, but also, Paul, there has been some significant silver linings for people. All right. Give me one. So one of them really is... And this is a personal story for me and also for CMOs, just being home more. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, I did over 100,000 miles last year, which I know for some people that travel internationally is not that much. But for me, that was a big number. That's a big number. Probably would have done something similar this year. And I haven't been near an airport since March. And so to be able to be home like, like on a Wednesday night, last night's Wednesday night, 
I DVR'd the World Series game. I sat on the couch with my kids around me. We watched some dumb episode of Halloween Baking Championship. <laughs> it's one of the worst shows on television. <laughs> but we watched but it. But it's <laughs> also something all three of my kids will sit and watch with yeah, me. Right. So did that. We made dinner together. My son and I played chess. I got to read my seven-year-old a book going to bed. Those moments yeah. are going to go away at some point as a father. Yeah. Those moments are going to go away. And the likelihood that I would have been at a hotel somewhere on the East Coast this week instead was pretty high if things were business as usual. Right. So I consistently hear, and even for people that don't have kids or don't have kids at home anymore, just people talking about sort of this forced downshift to slow down and really sort of reinvest, recommit, and enjoy things that don't cost money, that don't take travel, and things that you've always said to yourself, I'm too busy for. Yeah, right. But now you can do it. So there are things you can see, you know, in a weird way, uh, the birds, uh, I've actually read things, birds are singing more because uh, there are less people out. The uh, pollution levels are down because less people are driving. I mean, there are some strange byproducts of this that, we probably wouldn't have made that trade-off had we had a choice, but you can find some uh, some silver lining, some bright spots in an otherwise confusing or cloudy environment. Well, and you can say we wouldn't have made those decisions if we had a choice, but we have had a choice. And some people can say, well, Matt, it's easier for you to say that because you run your own company, you're on your boss, you can decide not to travel. If some boss tells you you have to go to this conference, yes, right. but, but there is there's still a choice there. I mean, it, we have not had the year we wanted to this year as a business. We're doing fine. We've been able, I'm very proud of the fact that we've kept our entire team intact. Right. We still have clients. Things are rebounding, which is nice. But yes. you know what? Like, it makes you think about what's most important. Like, is it more important to grow the business or more important to spend more time with my kids right now? Is it more important to have a couple extra points of margin as a private business with no debt, no investors, or you know, I don't have to, or can I take that time and spend it elsewhere? And so there's no right or wrong answer to this, right? I mean, if someone says, no, screw it, I wanna go make as much money as I can, like that's, that's <laughs> fine. If someone says, you know what, I want an easy job. I was just talking to a buddy of mine and he was saying that a friend of his basically like, you know, had started his career in an office, was in sales, was working his butt off, was tired of it, went back to trade school, and is now working on diesel engines, <laughs> right? <laughs> and he's making really good money, but he also, like, at 5 o'clock, is done. Yes. And he's able to commit to being a Little League coach, and he's able to commit to other hobbies and I, interests that I he has. I get it. I get it. There are trade-offs you make to advance your career that sometimes you wonder if they're worth it. Yeah. The phrase I use a lot now is, you know, the older I get and the more mistakes I make. Because I think early in my career, I mean, you asked if my wife was sitting here, she could tell you stories of Matt prioritizing his job, Matt on email all the time, you know, Matt just only thinking about the work and thinking about, okay, what can I do to sort of advance my career, but at the expense of what? I'll give you an interesting story. So my father, I grew up, uh, I think like your dad, uh, I think your dad was, didn't he work for Caterpillar or something? He, he did, yeah. 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 So my dad was a sales executive for Chrysler Corporation, and he mm -hmm. rose to be a vice president. He was in charge of all sorts of big things, or import program and whatnot. And uh, so he devoted a lot of time to that, and we just accepted that as a family. Dad was gone before I got up, and he never got home before 7 o'clock at night. So we didn't throw the ball around. We didn't do a lot of the stuff that other dads did because, you know, that was dad's career, and he was into it. He worked weekends. He was gone a lot. There were a lot of those sorts of things. And I remember asking him once, I said, did you ever want to be president of the company? He said, oh, sure, we all did, you know. And I said, 
why didn't you? What blocked you? He took a deep breath and said something I will never forget. I never thought he would say. He said, you know, there comes a point in every career where you wonder, is it really worth it to try and take that next step? He's saying, I'm not saying I could have done it. Maybe I could have or maybe I couldn't. But there's trade-offs that you have to make every time you take a step up the ladder. And I asked him, like what? And he said, you'll find out. And I thought, that says it all. At some point, you reach your comfort. Some of us, it's, I got to go all the way. Some of us, no, I got to stop at 5 o'clock here. And if I make a little less, that's okay because that's important to me. Others, no, I can... I can find a balance in between here, but we all do that. We find some balance, don't we? I really like that answer from your dad. Like, I think it might've been frustrating for him not to give you something explicit, but in my interpretation is inherent in that answer is your answer might be different than mine. Yes. Your trade-offs are going to be different than mine. That's what I think. And over the course of your life and career, you can change your mind. You can decide like, Hey, listen, I'm young and single. I'm just going to go make as much money as I can. And I'm just going to, just have a good time and travel on someone else's dime and that's all fine. Then later on you might be like, nope, yeah, I want to be home or nope, I want to be with my family or nope, I really want to, I really want to commit to being a, a micro brewer in my garage and that takes yeah. time and effort and that's what I want to do. I mean, there are no wrong decisions in that vein and there are very, uh, other than having kids, I guess, there are no permanent decisions. You can decide those trade-offs are different over time and, and I think, you know, it's easy, Paul, and I know we got to take a break here in yeah. a second, it's easy to get into a rut and assume that you have to continue on that path. And so what one of the silver linings, and I know after the break, we're going to talk, get into the sort of the CMO conversation here, but like, I think one of the personal silver linings I hear from a lot of professionals, especially those that are high, that are up in their career, that are fast chargers is that the, the force downshift this year has helped them recalibrate those priorities and think, you know, once we get back to a straightaway, once the pandemic is gone, past an election and economy cars to improve, like, what do I want? Yes. And so that's been a really cathartic moment for a lot of people. I know we got to take a break, pay some bills. We'll be back more with my guest today, right. <laughs> producer Paul Roberts. Yeah. We're going to get into some of the other uh, feedback we get from CMOs on things they've shifted to this year. We'll be right back. Sales Pipeline Radio. CMOs and marketing leaders have the increasingly complex task of effectively communicating marketing's value to their CEO and board. And as today's markets face growing uncertainties, the need for clear, consistent, and predictable communication will only continue to grow. How do they do it? Read the new research report on marketing's role in the boardroom from Drift, G2, and Heinz Marketing. Get it now at drift.com alignment. That's drift, D-R-I-F-T dot com slash alignment. All right, and we drift back into our conversation here with Matt Hines. You know, one of the things I've heard you say a couple of times during this pandemic is it gives you a chance to reflect and decide, should I be doing what I've always been doing, or should I not just find new ways to do it? Of course, we've got to go on Zoom, we got to do all these other things, but do I really need to go to trade shows anymore? I really don't. Or maybe I don't need to go as many. Maybe I don't need to have everybody in the office anymore. I thought I did, but maybe there is another way to do it. What do you think of that? Well, I mean, that's where we get into sort of some of those sort of exponential changes that B2B companies have been forced to make. Right. You know, where like the incremental changes, well, we're going to do the show again this year. Like, how are we going to get more people to our booth? Or, you know, the sales team's going to need, you know, a new field marketing strategy. What do we do differently to sort of, you know, help them in the field? Those are incremental things 
where we oftentimes don't have the courage or the reason to sort of step off the cliff and do some exponential changes. So a non-pandemic related change would be, what if we stopped asking prospects to fill out forms on our website? Ooh, because the form is entirely an arbitrary and artificial mechanism for the seller, not the buyer. Yeah. So Latney Conant, who um, I think we've had her on the show, she's CMO at Sixth Sense. She wrote a book this year called No Forms, No Spam, No Cold Calls. And it's really a call to action based on her own experience, having gone through this change at Sixth Sense, to say, no, we're no longer going to fill out forms. We're no longer going to send unsolicited emails. We're no longer going to call prospects without a purpose. And she's very clear. She says, listen, it was not a popular decision amongst her team. She's had someone on her team legit quit, say, like, you're crazy. I'm not going through this wow. with you. Wow, wow. But you know what? Their numbers are up. Their customer engagement is up. And so sometimes ripping off the Band-Aid on those bigger changes takes – a deep breath and some courage. Sometimes I mean, we, and sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes we <laughs> don't know why we've know. been doing something. I'm reminded of a joke to see if I can tell it quickly and correctly here. But guy marries a young bride and she immediately cooks, uh, has everybody over for Thanksgiving dinner, and she cuts half of the turkey off. He says, "What do you do that?" She says, "That's what my mother always taught me to do. You cut half the turkey off. That's why you cook turkey." So they're at the turkey dinner, and he takes the mom aside. He says. Why do you cut half the turkey off? She said, what are you talking about? She said, your daughter just cut half the turkey off. She says, oh, my God, we only did that because we were poor and we had a tiny oven. <laughs> you know, but you don't know why you're still doing things this many years later. Uh, I think it's the same with a lot of us. So it gives us a chance to reflect. We've been forced to reflect and say, do we really, is there another way to do it? And once there is, do we want to go back to the way it was? What do you think? Are we going to go back the way it was? No, it'll never go back the way it was. I mean, I think, that, and that's not necessarily something to mourn. I think, you know, we didn't go back to the way it was, at, you know, after 9-11. We all kind of yeah. got used to having tighter security and things that were making us safer, right. uh, you know, in airports and otherwise. I think there will be precautions that persist well after this particular pandemic, you know, slows down a little bit. And I think the impact on sales and marketing will we'll never go. I mean, you will never see an in-person only event ever again there will be it, it, there will be Amen. online and virtual components of all successful events moving forward completely agree we were talking about that the other day here with somebody that produces big events and concerts and other things and oh i think it was actually it was the um it was the lady who runs the mandalay bay convention center that was a big job and she was on one of our shows and i don't know what she i forgot why she was on or she was talking about but i asked her that same question i think it was actually the wvu people the west virginia university marketing people and uh, that does a show early in the day. And she said the same thing. She said, oh, no, it's always going to have some online component to it. Now now that we figured out how to do it, why wouldn't we do it? The fear was if we did it online, nobody would come. And she said people will always come. But she said more people will come if you do it online, and more people will reference it later. It doesn't live just once. It'll live on and on and on, like these podcasts do, like these stream shows. That's the same thing I've been preaching for years. I, In a certain sense, I feel kind of vindicated. I didn't mean to be vindicated. I didn't mean to say, I told you so. But I've been saying for a long time that there is something to doing things live that creates an urgency to listen. Facebook has been pushing this for years. You can see what my cat's doing anytime, but here's what my cat's doing right now. Well, that's me right now. <laughs> so I think there is uh, that is not going to go away. We're going to do that in our personal social media, and we're going to find a way to do that in our communications, and events are going to do that too. We're not yeah. just going to make it a private Zoom call, a private webinar anymore. There's going to be some way it's going to sh- live on and get streamed to a bigger world, I think. Well, exponential change 
happens slowly and then suddenly. Yeah, isn't that the truth, right? And and so I think a lot of the changes we've seen in B2B marketing and even sort of field sales, field marketing this year, these aren't out of the blue things that materialize out of nowhere. There has been a natural migration away from field sales to inside sales for years. There has been a natural migration towards doing more digital marketing, digital events, versus purely online, uh, you know, in-person events for a long time, right. a pandemic forced us to cancel the in-person events. And we're going to go back. People are going to go back to in-person. They may travel via car before they travel in airplanes. And we're going to see a gradual increase back to some of the events we saw before. Will we ever see 150,000 people from around the globe show up for Dreamforce? Maybe not. Maybe not. This may be the end of certain shows that may have sort of incrementally started to reach the end of their natural lifetime. And now all of a sudden... Slowly, then suddenly. Because I think there's more in the niche than there is in the mass. We still want to do mass everything, broadcast rather than narrowcast, mass marketing, mass events. And I just don't – there's something to be said for the giant Super Bowl that brings everybody together and gets a 50 share on TV. But those are getting fewer and fewer. Instead, there's little tribal events, smaller niche things. I think you'll see – my own prediction is you'll see less of the dream forces and more small targeted events, I think. And I think you're going to find people that find those more successful, more approachable, more repeatable. Yeah. Um, There is value in volume sometimes. But if you think about like that Dreamforce example, right, you get 125,000 people coming to San Francisco. It's a crush of humanity. No one can get around. And the diversity of people there, the diversity of reasons why people are there you know, it started as sort of a sales, somewhat sales-centric cloud computing event, and then it became just kind of like Woodstock for SaaS companies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and exactly. So now, I'm not the only person to say, like, the main reason people would go for the last three or four years was for those smaller events. Like, this week, there was an event that was done online this year because it couldn't be done at Dreamforce called OpStars, and it's about marketing operations events. It was one of the main reasons for me to go to Dreamforce, to Mm -hmm. physically go to an event and not attend that event because there was a smaller event of a couple thousand people that would exist, you know, in parallel. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple events like that, like Highspot put on a conference specifically for sales enablement professionals. So you had a smaller birds of a feather group and by smaller, I mean, 1500 people, still a really big event. Right. But you're with your people. You're with your tribe. Exactly. I'm hundred percent agree. I, I and think, I don't believe that it was Dreamforce that got that group together. I think if there's enough value in those events, and certainly I think you know Lean Data with Opstars, High Spot with their sales enablement soiree, like you create an event with enough value, people will come. I think that events can get too unwieldy and out of hand too. And I think of the event I used to love to go to until it got too much of a zoo, and they finally canceled. It. I think didn't they cancel the Consumer Electronics Show, or they scaled it wow. back or something? They're going to do it all online this year, which will be a it'll be a mess because it just uh, got so huge you couldn't possibly see all the booths, and there was no, no. theme to it anymore. There was toasters and TVs and uh, I don't know chainsaws or anything. It was just an odd assortment of anything and everything. I think it could have continued and evolved just because it created so many curiosities and oddities yes. and right. it created, and there's a whole sort of economic ecosystem of media events and celebrities showing up. And I think it could have continued for a while, but you know, will it splinter now? I think probably so. I mean, you know, remember Comdex before it, right? Yes, Comdex, Comdex was sort oh. of the, the big computer industry conference and it's not like the computer industry has gone away, but I think that huge Omni event just sort of reached the end of its life. And I think, you know, as I know we got to wrap up here in a minute, yeah. you know, the 
our ability to sort of take advantage of these forced exponential changes. And yeah, I mean, mourn the loss of things that we were comfortable with and enjoyed, but look for the opportunity. I mean, there is going to be enormous innovation and change from a product, from a service, from a marketing and sales standpoint that come out of this year and next year. And I'm hoping that people listening to this show are drivers of that. Like this is our opportunity to hunker down with our families to stay safe, but think exponentially and sort of innovate in the way that we do work. And, and, and uh, use the time to think. Too often we're just reacting and going. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I got to go, got to go. And, and yeah, we'll get together once and you have a conference for a weekend, but the rest of the time it's race as fast as we can. It's forced us. It's, we found time to think and retrench and, and reimagine things that we, again, I don't know we would have had we had the choice, but we, yeah. we can and we should. Yeah, I agree. Well, it's been fun. It always, whenever we, you know, sometimes in an impromptu way, we have to, we have these yeah, conversations. we had to adapt topic. today. Got a handful, and it goes by fast. Well, thank you so much, uh, Paul, for doing it with me. A special edition of Sales Pipeline Radio. I encourage <laughs> everyone listening to think about your silver linings for the year as well, and uh, what that means for you going into next year and beyond. But on behalf of my great producer, Paul, this is Matt Hines. Thanks for listening to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. And with that, we wrap up another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio right here on the Funnel Radio channel for at-work listeners like you. Matt Hines, founder and president of Hines Marketing and host of Sales Pipeline Radio, wants you to consider Uplift Northwest. Uplift Northwest is on a mission to provide dignified jobs and job readiness services men and women experiencing poverty and homelessness in the Puget Sound region. Their time-tested temporary staffing option provides motivated workers to hundreds of employers across a wide variety of industries. Learn more at upliftnw.org. Again, that's upliftnw.org.